helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Take a look at a national electoral county map and you should notice a couple things that are very important. First, while the Congress may be closely divided between the political parties, the geographic areas are not. This came up in a recent interview about the 12th Amendment, specifically the question of what happens if a presidential candidate doesn't get a majority of the electoral votes. You see, when the choice of president devolves to the House of Representatives, the members vote by states, meaning each state gets one vote. This made me think about uh, the county electoral map, the fact that the majority of the Marxists seem to live congregated in large cities, which reminded me of a quote from Benjamin Rush. God made the country, man made cities. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. Yes, this is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And today, well, that's our topic. It's, you know, the fact that God made the country, but man made cities. And you notice how those cities, well, the socialists congregate there, which in many ways, I guess, would make sense, right? Because socialists are dependent on others. It's kind of the their their paradigm, right? You're you're dependent on your neighbor. That and the fact that you you live in a city and you're dependent on others. You know, again, I, when I was a child, we lived in New York City, and of course, you were dependent on 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 the 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 city sanitation department to take away the garbage. Uh, you're dependent on city services for everything from uh, keeping you safe to um, you know keeping the the street lights on. So it kind of made sense that collectivists would collect into small geographic areas, which means their political power is centralized in those areas. And again, this came up, I was doing an interview um, on America Out Loud with Booker, and uh, he was asking about the 12th Amendment, and he asked me what happens if the no candidate gets a majority and it goes to the House of Representatives. And he asked me to kind of Predict that out, game that out a little bit. And I pointed out that while um, the House may be evenly divided, if you look at it from a state-by-state -state basis, in other words, which states have a majority of Republicans in Congress and which states have a majority of Democrats in Congress, it does. You know, there's a definite bias towards the Republicans. But again, that got me thinking about this electoral map, which I've seen before. You look at the United States, of course, we're all familiar with the, the shape of the United States. But when you look at the, the states, you know, again, we've seen the the state-by-state -state map. But what I did is I was looking at, in this case, the, the 2020 election map by county. And I noticed that the United States is, is very, very, very red, meaning very, very, very Republican. In fact, it's funny, I look at my home state of Tennessee, and I've basically got one, well, two deep blue counties and one light blue county, and well, the rest are light red or deep red. It showed me that the, 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 this socialist uh, mindset is centralized in big cities. Not exclusively, but it's centralized. Again, I got to think about this because of, well, some things that were in the news. Specifically, 
Well, reports now that there are more and more hospitals that are bringing back mass mandates. Now, I want to point out something very important. Public mass mandates are illegal. They're criminal. It's a, it's a violation of the Constitution, the Supreme Law of the Land. It deprives you of liberty and property without due process of law. Liberty to live your life as you see fit. Property, the property you have in your own body without due process. The, the government has to show better than at least probable cause that, the, that you are contagious, that you are dangerous, or that these masks are uh, assisting in, in, in some public, overall public safety. They haven't. They, have, they claim there are, oh, tests show. No, tests don't show. The first test I saw when they claimed that masks worked, you know what the test was? It was a pair of hairdressers. Yes, two. Two hairdressers had a salon. They both tested positive for COVID. None of their customers did. They wore masks. Therefore, ipso facto, ips idiot stupido, they said that masks work. Well, guess what? They don't work. And real actual scientific studies have proven they don't work against any airborne virus. But yet the New York City Department of Health, because they're seeing an increase in, in COVID and influenza. Now, I have another stupid question. It's winter time. Every winter that I can think of, they've been warning, influence is coming. They let's get your flu shot, which, by the way, I refuse to do. Now they've simply added COVID. So now if you go to a public health facility or one of the city's public hospitals, they want to strap a diaper on your face. They want to restrict your access to oxygen. They want to give you CO2 poisoning. They want you to inhale all the, you know, remember, when you exhale, the purpose of exhalation is to get toxins out of your body. They want to trap them in a mask so you can breathe them back in. Not because they have evidence that it works, not because they have probable cause that it's necessary, but because they have an agenda. That either, either they are simply listening to what the idiots at the CDC, who've been proven wrong time and time again, or they have another agenda. What could that agenda be? Control. You see, if they stop issuing things like mass mandates, then it'll be harder the next time. The longer they let, they let these things go without um, uh, forcing mandates on, or mandating things on somebody, well, guess what? The harder it is for the people, the, 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 the less likely it is that people are going to follow it. So here's my line. Mandates are illegal. They're tyranny. And, and as far as I know, don't comply. And, and if they try to make you comply, point out that they are committing a federal crime. It's actually important that you point it out because uh, 18 U.S.C. 242 says someone who willfully deprives someone of a right. Well, if you tell them, here's the right, here's the law, here's the violation, if they continue, then you cannot, they cannot complain it wasn't willful. We told them that this was the case. Now, the problem is you are not getting a U.S. attorney, especially in the city of New York, that's going to push us. Granted, it's not only New York, right? Chicago is doing the same thing. Their Rush University medical system has announced that uh, patients, visitors, and staff are to wear hospital-approved masks in some areas of the campus. Again, excuse me, this is a public place. I have every right to be here. You have no right to deprive me of my liberty because you're fear-mongering. 
COVID is not that deadly. Now, granted, hey, if you're elderly, if you have a disease and a mask makes you feel better, go ahead. I have no problem with people who want to wear masks. I think they may be foolish, but I don't have a problem with it. But that's not what we're, that's not what's happening. What we have here are major cities imposing unconstitutionally restrictions on their citizens. Kind of like I was saying before, cities were made by man. God made the country, but cities were made by man. They've created these things. They get, um, there's more. Um, the, the Massachusetts Berkshire Health, uh, Health System, Los Angeles County, uh, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Washington State all have imposed different forms of mass mandates because the flu has gone up in winter. Uh, duh. Now, again, it'd be one thing that said, hey, you know what? We recommend you get a flu shot. If you are uh, uh, more likely to get sick, maybe wear a mask. If they suggested that thing, that would be fine. But that's not what they're doing. They're mandating this. We're saying, if you want to participate in public events, or I should say, in this case, the public healthcare system, you must wear a mask simply because we say so. But remember, there is a superseding law, the Constitution of the United States, Article 6, Clause 2. It supersedes any state law. It even supersedes the state constitution. And that law says that the state cannot create a law, nor can any government agency enforce a deprivation of liberty or property without due process of law. They must go through a process that protects your rights. Think of it this way. The burden of proof is on government. It's not on you, it's not on the taxpayer, it's not on the individual. The burden of proof is on government. And we need to learn to start pushing back because let's face it, the vast majority of the people in that health in these healthcare systems are simply going along cuz well, they were simply following orders. Yeah, that was tried once before and didn't work too well in Nazi Germany, but it's working really great right here in the United States until you start pushing back and say no. I told the story. I received a federal subpoena. They wanted me to go to Phoenix, Arizona to testify in a case. I said, okay, understand. I'm not taking the jab. I'm not taking a test. In my case, I would only wear a mask under duress and I would not be silent about it. Now, at the time I had a mask that said, uh, mandates your tyranny worn under duress on an upside down U.S. flag. By the way, an upside down flag is the international sign of distress. I'm not going to be silent about it. And by the way, if you want to say, well, you're here to testify, but we're gonna you have to we're gonna have to infringe on your rights to do that, um we got problems. It's also why you need to find, if you can, a, a lawyer that actually understands the constitution. You take a again, look at that at that electoral map. You look at California. Now the, the there are actually two things that attract uh socialists, Marxists, and tyrants. That is Cities and universities. Cities, well, because people are dependent on on city services, are dependent on others. There, universities is the, are the breeding grounds for this Marxist totalitarian push that has been traveling the world and is right now going on here in the United States. So it really shouldn't be a surprise that the legislature of California, um, well, they're planning to to um allow what, what they refer to as 
all undocumented migrants, in other words, illegal aliens, health care on the taxpayer dime. They want the citizens, the actual the legal citizens, the legal residents, um, the, the, the people who, who work and make money and pay taxes in California to pay for the health care of people who entered the state and the nation illegally. Now, tell me that's not going to, well, attract illegal aliens. She's funny, they call them undocumented, meaning they broke the law when they came here. Now they just want to give them free health care. Now, again, oh, Paul, it sounds great. We just, everybody deserves health care. Everybody, you don't want to deny some poor, sick immigrant health care simply because they broke the law to get here. Well, yeah, kind of I do. I'm not talking about emergency care, right? If somebody is is seriously ill and dying, you treat them, right? You, you worry about getting paid later. But the idea that the state says, no, 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 we'll pick up the tab, that's the problem I have. You want to say that everybody in, in um, California gets treated, whether or not they're documented, that's one thing. But when you're saying that the the citizens, the taxpayers of California have to pick up the tab, that's a problem. Because you're now aiding and abetting a federal crime. And you're probably aiding and abetting a state crime as well, but that's I'm not that familiar with, with California law. But you're aiding and abetting someone who is here illegally. That's that, that's a crime. You want to be a, a, a conspire. A, a member of a conspiracy to aid and abet illegal aliens, that's exactly what you're doing in California. And if you voted for the people that are enacting this policy, guess what? That's what you are. You are, you are guilty of, of, of conspiracy. The conspiracy to aid and abet illegal people coming into this country illegally. And before you think that this problem is only, well, that's California's problem. It doesn't affect me here. May I remind you that um, when California runs out of money to take care of all of these people, where do you think they're going to go for a cash infusion? Remember, California came up with the brilliant idea of a single-payer system, and uh, it didn't work. They couldn't afford it. And the only reason they didn't go ahead is the federal government said, we won't bail you out. So I'm pretty sure they they go forward with this when they run out of money, they're going to go begging the same way uh, Mayor Adams in New York City. It's costing us too much. Federal government, you got to send us money. California's going to do exactly the same thing. It's costing you too much because you are aiding and abetting crime. Stop aiding and abetting crime, and then deal with your own, deal with the problem. Now, then maybe you get into the question of, of federal support, but that's a whole other question because the whole idea of the federal government setting immigration policy is unconstitutional as well. It's really interesting when you read the Constitution, what you actually find. Now, I've got a lot more to talk about when it comes to the God-made-the-country and man-made cities, but I have to take a break. Before I go, though, you know, Healthy Cell has some really, really great products. For example, you know, I get to the end of the day sometimes and I get fuzzy headed. I have a hard time focusing. I need something. And of course, I could reach for a cup of coffee or, or an energy drink or something with a lot of caffeine and sugar, but that, that gets me all wound up and then I crash afterwards. Now, nah, I got something better. 
something that actually boosts my short-term focus and my long-term brain power without the caffeine, sugar, and the crashes that come with it. It's healthy cells, focus and recall, vitamins. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, vitamins. And they work really well. I take a packet um, about 20 minutes later, I am clear-eyed, I am focused, I am getting the job done, and I don't deal with the crash afterwards. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. You can find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, there's a code, code out loud. You go to the Healthy Cell, you use the code. Like I said, you find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. But do that. Head to Healthy Cell's website. Check out all their great products. Maybe decide to try Healthy Cell. Maybe focus and recall or um, REM sleep or, or any of their or the immune super boost. But whatever you do, put your card together. Be sure to use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. As a thank you, they'll give you 25% off that first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free, Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company, discussed the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Clean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
Welcome back, everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study today. Well, we're dealing with a quote that ben, from a letter Benjamin Rush sent to Thomas Jefferson, where he said, God made the country, man made cities. Now, this is in a response to a letter that Jefferson had sent to Mr. Rush in September of 1800. In this letter, Jefferson said, I view great cities as pestilence to the morals, the health, and liberty of man. He also said, true, they nourish some of the elegant arts, but the useful ones can thrive elsewhere and, the, and less perfection in, uh, in the others with more health and virtue would be my choice. This came to mind, as, as I said before, in, in having a discussion about the, the localization of um, socialism, Marxism, in the cities, in large cities, and in university cities, uh, compare that to the rest of the country, and you see a, a different point of view. I noticed this a, a quite a bit. Again, as I said, I was born in New York City. Uh, it meant for, it gave me actually an interesting life because for most of my life, I was just as comfortable wandering around New York City as I was wandering in the backwoods from the time I was a boy. You know, I, I'd be on the They'd be playing in the playground or walking home from the from the, the school or, or running an errand for my mother on the city streets. And then on the weekends, I'd be out tromping through the streams or running through the woods or, or playing outside. It was, a, it, it was a very interesting combination. And it wasn't until decades later I realized just how unique uh, that was. But it also has given me this, this viewpoint of recognizing how, um, again, Marxism tends to fall into centralized cities, which is interesting when you see how hard uh, many of the the current movers and shakers are to push people into not just into cities, but into in, into segments of cities. These fifteen minute cities where everything you could possibly want, well, is a fifteen minute walk away. That's the idea. We bring people and we cram them together into ever smaller spaces. It also reminds me of, you know, um, a lot of people I, I knew in New York City, they don't even own a car. They, they take public transportation, the subways, the buses, or maybe a taxi. If they have to travel out of town, they rent a car because the need for a car is so rare. And I guess that would explain a lot of the push for the electric vehicles, because for them, they make sense. Out in the country... Not having a car is is the oddity. You need a car to get around. The nearest town to me is a is a fifteen twenty minute drive. It's not someplace. It's not a fifteen minute walk. It's a fifteen minute drive to even get close. And of course, this this has. Uh, I believe that it's not simply cultural. I believe, or I should say, it's not simply geography, but it's it's the culture that it engenders that leads to this. And it also leads to the, um, how do I want to put it? Well, maybe the way Jefferson put it. Great cities are a pestilence to the morals, the health, and the liberties of man. But take, for example, um, a, a push among a, a California school district, a fairly large one. They have thousands of students from preschool through high school. And uh, this school district, the Howard, uh, hey, I'm sorry, Hayward Unified School District, um, 
well, let's just say they have they've given out guides to a guide to LGBT inclusive films that they want to use with, uh, well, fifth graders, fifth graders and up. This is the pestilence, possibly, that uh, Jefferson was talking about. The pestilence on the morals of our young children. It's one thing if an adult, someone grows up and uh, uh, wants to live an LGBTQ lifestyle. It's even something if a, uh, a student, as they're growing up, themselves decide to exercise an LGBTQ lifestyle. Why do we have to indoctrinate our children into, the, into uh, th these, these lifestyles? You see, to me, it's one thing to allow someone access to information. It's another to require they consume that information. See, that's the, the pestilence on the liberty of man. We don't, parents don't get a choice now in this Hayward uh, school district. The school's going to push this. And it really shouldn't be a surprise. School districts have been pushing stuff like this for, well, quite a few years now. And we remember what happened in Virginia when parents started to object before school board meetings. They were suddenly labeled as potential domestic violent extremists, as terrorists, for arguing with the school board that is supposed to serve them. They're supposed to be the public servants, except they act more like masters. And they get really upset when the people they think are their slaves get uppity and start talking back. And of course, once you get a little paranoid about push, people pushing back, we start doing, well, some possibly crazy things. Just look at the reaction to the January 6th demonstration. Consider, compare that to the, 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 um, the riots from Antifa and BLM, where you had, um, you know, arson and, and uh, rioting and looting and, and attacking the police and, and yet all of this violence. And it got attention. Uh, yeah, there were some groups who were saying it was a mostly peaceful, explosive demonstration, but compare that to a group that, well, they questioned an election, an election where a Marxist, Leninist, progressive Maoist won. They, they, they questioned it. Granted, they were pretty upset. They, um, they demonstrated, not nearly as, as, as vociferously as, say, um, the demonstrations when Trump was elected. Yes, some of them got out of hand. They ran through barricades. The vast majority of them, however, that entered the Capitol did so peacefully. Some were even escorted by Capitol Police. But you see, it's the problem is the it, it 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 the socialist Marxists was having were having their power challenged, and they reacted badly. Now, my point is not simply to go through the uh, the craziness that has has come around January sixth. Well, except for this one little piece that I want you to consider. So I saw an article on Undercover DC. And they pointed to a situation where an eight-week-old infant was placed on the terrorist watch list known as Quiet Skies. I've talked before about, uh, you know, you get a, a boarding pass and it has the code SSSS on it. And that is supposedly indicating you're a suspected domestic terrorist. 
And uh, again, everybody who showed up, who actually everybody who traveled into the DC metro area January 5th, 6th, or 7th of 2021 has been put on this list. The reason it's got my attention is this particular um, person who is now, who has a ticket on the watch list, yet was an eight-week-old infant. Now, I want to stop back. There's a lot of, of crazy ideas floating around that, you know, suddenly this terrorist, this this infant is on a watch list. I want to back up just a little bit. It's, it is quite possible that it's not the infant that was put on the list, but her father. You see, her father, A.J. Fisher, is a January 6th defendant. And it could be that because he was traveling in the party, they all got marked as SSSS. They all got marked as potential terrorists. But again, I want you to think of the bureaucratic inertia, the bureaucratic doublespeak that, that says, hey, by the way, the infant in arms, potential violent terrorist, potential domestic terrorist. It, it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, these, these policies, they're coming out of these cities it certainly does sound like a, well, a pestilence. A pestilence not just on our liberty, but on, well, on sanity itself. It makes me wonder, you know, we, we, we talk about the divide in this country, and I'm sure we've heard it about between rich and poor, and between, um, uh, you know, between black and white. Uh, we had one between North and South. Really, what I'm seeing is is between urban and rural. You live in an urban area, you're more likely to have certain worldviews and opinions. You live in a rural area, you're more likely to have different worldviews and opinions. And it's to the point where it almost seems to the point where we, you're not allowed to have a contravening opinion. If you if you show anything that could possibly be considered. Uh, contrary to the uh, to your own opinion, well, you're evil. Maybe you're a suspected terrorist, or maybe just evil incarnate. <laughs> maybe the reincarnation of Lenin, uh, Vladimir Lenin. I don't. It, it's really getting crazy, and it's it's disturbing because you know our unwillingness to allow to to live and let live, to treat others the way we would want to be treated. I think it's driving us to a, well, to a dangerous situation. And I look at something else as well. And that is this move, this, this concentration of power in large cities has also led to the concentration in power, well, to very small groups. Take, for example, the World Economic Forum. And, well, you got to have the infamous Klaus Schwab. He's already decided that uh, you'll own nothing and be happy. He looks and says, no, you, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. He sees it as a good thing that, that you, you won't have to own a car or, or own a home. You'll, you'll rent, a, you'll rent a, a home and you'll live in a city where you don't need a car. And Well, if you do have to travel, well, there's always public transportation. And if you need a car, you can, you can rent one. That's his vision of utopia. That's fine for him. 
Well, the problem is he wants to impose that opinion on others. And he's used his opinion and his, his idea of the, the Great Reset. By the way, that those are his words. He wrote a book called The Great Reset. Klaus Schwab is, we will take everything from you and you will like it. You know, it reminds me a lot of the uh, uh, the people who say that Jesus was a socialist because after his resurrection, the early church, people voluntarily gave up their stuff to share amongst everyone. Therefore, it's right for us to force people to give up their stuff for the for the benefit of everyone. There's a difference between allowing and enforcing. You see. What Klaus Schwab is talking about, in my opinion, is not you'll give up everything. You'll, you'll voluntarily hand over everything and be happy. No, it's you will take everything and you'll have no choice. And I hope you're happy. See, that's the, the concern I have with this centralization of power in, in, in large cities, that they become the pestilence. They become the disease that destroys morals. It, it, look at how many of the trends that, uh, of everything from um, dress and speech and music and movies and, and all of these, these, these immoral things that well, they come out of big cities. H how much of our, of our health is now being dictated by large cities, whether it's cities saying, hey, you know, we know best, wear a mask, or put this shot in your arm, or just the, uh, uh, you have to use an electric vehicle because, well, it's the only way to keep healthy. See, they are a pestilence. They are destructive to liberty, to the freedom of man, in large part because in a city, you are more dependent on your, your, your neighbors than you are out in the country. In the country, you learn to take care of yourself. In the country, you stock food because, well, you never know when the power's going out or the road's getting washed out or the, 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 the weather gets too bad and you may be on your own for a few days. So you prepare for that. A lot of people in the cities don't do that. So I get back to the question, you know, God made country and, then, and man made cities. Where does freedom and liberty reside? Does it reside? Not, not that it's an either or, right? That you can't have liberty in cities. I think it's more of a tendency. It's a trend we tend to see in these situations. Cities tend to trend towards less liberty. Rural areas more likely to trend toward more liberty. As a general, a, a generalization. There's obviously examples of the reverse on both sides. Now, I do have a break coming up. Before I go, though, uh, I, my next segment, I'm actually going to cover a couple of questions. Uh, some of them were uh, submitted through the website. Uh, go to constitutionstudy.com, and you'll see a, a button to ask a question. Uh, I love questions. The checkbox is please answer on the radio. I do my best to answer them as completely as I can. I still email you an answer, but I try to give you the full answer here on the radio so your fellow listeners can share it. Um, a couple of them have been coming from other realms. Um, 
one I already answered, which was a question about the 12th Amendment, but I wanted to do those in the last segment of the of the program. But speaking of the website, there's some really great information. I've been revamping my mailing lists. So uh, if you're on one of the mailing lists, hopefully you've noticed uh, kind of a new look. I, I've tried to include more information in the in the mailing list. Um, so you can uh, go, go to website constitutionstudy.com and you'll see join a mailing list and you can pick one. In fact, let me know. I'm interested. Would you be interested in a news digest? So if you look at the website up on the top, we've got the breaking news. All those articles are information I pick up as I'm gathering data for this program and for other work that I do. And it posts on the website. Well, I'm considering creating a new mailing list that would um, make every day would take a digest of all of those articles and email it to you. Not the whole article. It'd be a little summary, a little excerpt, and then you could click it and go follow uh, follow up from there. Let me know if you're interested. I think it would be a great place for to find information in different sources. While you're at it, I also suggest you go to AmericaOutloud.news daily to get news and information. It's one of the places I go to. But just as with me trying to share information with you, I want you to share information with others. So do me a favor. As you're going through the news, whether it's on the website or the Mail Digest, check it out. You find a story, an article, a video, a podcast, something that says something important to you. Share it. Don't just read it. Share it with friends. Share it with family. Share it on social media. It's the act of sharing that will help us all secure the blessings of liberty. The out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's Chief Medical Board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. 
Welcome back, Everyday Americans. Rejoin the Constitution Study. As promised, we're going to do some questions today. I mentioned at the opening of the program that uh, I was answering a question. See, uh, there's, I have a fellow America Out Loud news, newsie here. Uh, his name is Booker. He's on Saturday and Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Um, his program's called Our Lives in Politics, and he had asked me a question. I, I love when people do that. You know, it, it's... I love answering questions. So his specific question had to deal with a, uh, but you can hear the details uh, this weekend. Just uh, look for um, the Our Lives and Politics podcast uh, radio. Show. It's, out, it's live, listen live on the radio, 7 p.m. Eastern time, or you can listen to the podcast anytime. Just look for Our Lives and Politics at AmericaOutloud.news. The question he asked was a little interesting. It was a question about whether or not, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s campaign as an independent was meant to siphon electors away from the other two candidates, especially Joe Biden, and force the presidential election to devolve to the House. Um, I don't think that is its purpose. It does it ha- will it have that outcome possibly, but I don't think that's its true purpose. I. I I really get the impression that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is just pissed at the Democrats and wants to poke him in the eye as much as he can. Uh, so that that was the question that I actually opened the program with. Let's take a look at a couple of others. Uh, so I got this one, um, again, through the website. Head to constitutionstudy.com, and you'll find the Ask a Question button. Fill out the form, and, uh, well, as this person did, she had a question about the Delaware Constitution. Uh, she wrote in and says, I recently took Larry Mayo's IOTC, or Institute on the Constitution, class on the Delaware Constitution. By the way, I've, I work with the Institute on the Constitution. They're a great organization. You can find them online. In fact, if you go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, uh, you should find a link to them that, uh, uh, that you can sign up and find all sorts of information. They have a lot of great, great curriculum. But they they have a class. They're building classes for each state constitution. They've done Delaware. And apparently, this person has taken the Delaware class. Uh, she goes on to say, he mentioned that Delaware is the only state whose constitution is amended by its legislature, not by the citizens of the state. Can you look into the pros and cons of this method of amendment and your thoughts about it? Well, that was actually a very interesting question because I did not realize that Delaware... Uh, amended their constitution via their legislature. And in fact, they do. I looked up the Delaware Constitution and I uh, found out that, yes, um, they they don't, you, you don't have uh, uh, propositions like they do in California. You don't have referendum like they do, referendi like they do in Florida. The legislature um, is the sole entity able to amend the constitution of Delaware. Now, I don't know for sure that that Delaware is the only state. Um, I know most states I've talked to, I've, I've researched, do have a process other than uh, the legislature to not you know, to to do this. But um, let me talk about my thoughts about this, the pros and cons of my thoughts. So again, I'm going to tend to compare this to the Constitution of the United States. With the Constitution of the United States, there are two ways of proposing amendments. One via the legislature, you know, the Congress. The other via a convention of states for the purpose of of, uh, submitting amendments. 
either process to submit a to um, yeah to submit a an amendment to for consideration eventually goes to a decision by a supermajority of the states, three fourths of the states. Um, it can be done either by a vote in the legislature or by a state convention, which is determined by Congress. That's kind of the way when we when I think about amendments, that's the way I think about it. So we the question is, my cons- what are my thoughts about just having the legislature do it? Well, the problem is, you've basically put the fox in in, in charge of the hen house. See, the problem I have with the legislature being the only body that I'm aware of that can amend the Delaware Constitution is, what if the what if the legislature isn't doing a good job? What if they are doing something that is constitutional that the people don't want? Well, then you're you're in a little bit of a murky spot, right? Because on the one hand, the states cannot, or I should say, the citizens cannot submit an uh, an amendment. I don't think. Maybe they can. I don't know. Uh, but the uh, ultimately, it's a decision of the legislature. Now, the legislature is hired by the people. Meaning, if enough people think this uh, this idea is important, they should be hiring the people to represent them in the legislature that would also consider this an important thing that would help move it forward. So um, I would say the pros to this are, what are the pros to this? Well, I don't know that I can really think of any real pros to it. It may make it more efficient, right? Because you don't have to deal with those you know, messy citizens or anything. So, yeah, you you could probably amend a constitution faster when you do that. But you see, that to me is not a good thing. Constitutions are meant to be paramount laws. They're meant to be superseding laws. They're things that should take time, that should require a lot of process and thought and and temperance when it comes to do we want to actually do this? Do we want to give this government the power to do something? You compare that to, again, states like Florida and California, where, hey, you get a bunch of people to sign a petition, and then you, you whip them all up to vote for something, and voila, the Constitution's amended. That's the opposite. You know, that That's a, a situation where, again, I think it's too easy, but it's too easy for the citizens to do it versus too easy for the uh, legislature to do it. Now, I see another con for this, uh, and that is really, actually it's related to something that recently happened in Ohio. Now, in Ohio, they have a, a more traditional process to amend the Constitution. The state legislature uh, uh, submits a, a potential amendment to the people. They vote on it. It takes a simple majority for that uh, amendment to become part of the state constitution. That to me, I also think is not well. It 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 should be more than simply a majority vote in my mind. It, we want something that is robust, something that um, that t- again we've taken more time. We've gotten we've gotten more consensus with. I don't think we're getting everybody on board, but we've got. I would expect some sort of super majority. So I I, I have. If I lived in Delaware, I'd have concerns about that. Um, but it is, I believe, unique that, guess what? Delaware decided to put the Constitution that formed 
the Delaware government, the formed Delaware formed the government that actually formed the legislature and put it in the hands of its creation, the legislature. So the creature now actually controls the creator. I don't know, just to me doesn't sound like a, a really good way to go about doing things. Okay, one more question before we call it a day. And, and this person didn't ask my, me to read the question on the radio, but um, I, there's something here I think we should all consider and, and I want you to think about. So the, the person points out they're originally, they were born and raised in Mexico and their English is okay. And I point that out because, listen, I don't want people to think, to be afraid to ask a question because, uh, you know, they're, we're not going to make fun of you. We may have a bit of a back and forth if we don't understand the language. That's kind of, um, that's the way things work. But I don't want someone to, you know, that, that to say, I, I'm not going to ask because my English isn't that good or I don't really understand. I would rather have you ask and maybe work through some language difficulties than to not ask and, and go from there. So um, the person asked and, and they said they, they want to learn more about the Constitution. So they were specifically asking, what else do I teach? Well, there's a lot that you can get from the Constitution study. A lot of it is free. Some of it I charge for because, well, there's a cost to doing business. You know, I, I, I wrote, I spent two years writing and getting my book published, uh, a lot of time and effort in that. Um, the Pages program, I'm trying to do a lot of work with that. Uh, but what I would recommend is to start out with, read the Declaration, read the Constitution. Um, you know, John Jay said that, that by doing so, you'll be know, better know your, your rights, sooner perceiving your rights are violated, and be better prepared to defend and assert them. That is a place to start. Um, if you need help beyond that, whether it's a language issue or understanding the what, what you're doing, that's where, where people can reach out. There's a reason why I have the ask a question button on the website, because I would rather have people ask than, than, than um, not. So, um, yes, I teach... Classes. I teach classes on anything related to the Constitution. Actually, I teach classes on a lot of different things. Uh, but here at the Constitution study, whether it's a a primer or a focus on, say, maybe the Declaration or some aspect of the Constitution or the boot camp for the um, uh, you know, for the Patriots, um, which, by the way, you don't have to be a Patriot to take. Uh, you more than free to take that free class and and um, go on. But I'm also open to ideas of other things to teach. Uh, I've been working with some of my patriots trying to find other topics that we can cover. And I really want this to be, um, I want feedback. I want this to be what you, the everyday American, needs. It, it, to me, it does no good for me to write. I could write the best class, the best the, the, uh, articles, do the best videos in the world. But if it's not ex introducing you to something that you need to learn or that you are ready to accept, then it, it, it doesn't do a lot. So, um, you know, I don't care how good your English is, as long as we can find a way to communicate. In fact, I remember being asked a few months ago about uh, finding, somebody wanted to find a, um, a constitution 
and one of the the, the Chinese dialect, I believe it was actually Mandarin, was what they asked for Chinese. I believe we found it in Mandarin because that was their first language. That, that's the, the Frequently, we understand things better in our first language. Um, I actually worked with a company where we were teaching English as a second language. And uh, part of the, the difficulty in that is we think in our native language frequently, and it's hard to think in another language. And it sometimes causes issues. But I don't want language to be the issue. I also, well, I, again, if there's stuff on the website you can use, fine. If, you, if there's something, uh, a topic you would like to see added, uh, a, a, a question asked, an article written, a class put together, ask. The, the least I can do is try. You know, we may not be able to do it, but we can at least try and see how close we can get. Um, additionally, yeah, I do do both online and in-person classes where, you know, I'll, we'll do a Zoom uh, and uh, uh, or, or if we can arrange the, uh, the travel and living where I will come out and teach classes. Obviously, in person, a bit more expensive, right? It, it costs, you know, I got, I have to get there. I have travel costs. I have, you know, hotels and, and food, depending on where I'm going. So there's a little bit of that involved. Most of the Zoom classes, um, I only charge if it's part of a, of another program that people are paying to get into. So, uh, but I want to make that open. I, I love this person for being willing to reach out, even though they knew right off the bat, that uh, you know th there might be some English problems. Um, you know it was it was a dif bit difficult to read their question because of the spelling and the grammar, but um, we get it done, and that's to me important. I, I don't do the Constitution study. Trust me, I'm not doing it to get rich because I'm not making any money at it. But I do do it because it is become very important to me to help people know what their rights are and then defend and assert them. And uh, so if you're wondering, should I ask a question? Please do. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass, I'm trying to embarrass anybody, but I'd rather, you know, I'd rather you ask the question than feel that you can't ask the question, I guess is, is the way I would put it. Now, I would ask that those of you that have the means, that, that, that maybe have uh, you know, they, they think studying the Constitution is important. Maybe you've got a few extra dollars in your pocket, something that you could you'd use. You can always give it to the Constitution study. No, I'm not a 501c3. Uh, I'm not a not-for-profit, basically because I don't do enough business to go through the paperwork of becoming a non-profit corporation. Um, gee, I'd love to get to the point where I could do that, but I'm just not, just not big enough yet. But if you if you want to help support the work you're doing, if you think this is important, we well, can always go to constitutionstudy.com slash shop. You can purchase something from the store or you can donate. There's a, a donation at the store. You can do a one-time donation, a monthly donation, an annual donation. Um, all of that money is, goes to fund the work that we're doing here at the Constitution Study. And it helps me bring not only this radio program, uh, I have some generous sponsors that help sponsor this program, and I'm grateful to them, but it also brings the work that I do with the articles and the videos and the uh, the Patriots program, the the uh, advice and classes, everything that I do that, that can, that means I don't have to charge somebody when I go there is just another way to help spread the news, to help spread the information, to help make this 
the make the, the make this country freer, more at liberty by educating the populace. Now, if you can't afford to uh, to to donate to the cause, that's fine. I still appreciate. It. In fact, I still hope you'll come back to listen to the Constitution Study every weekday at four p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. We've got apps for Apple, Android, and Alexa, plus our web-based media player. If you can't listen then, that's okay. Find the podcast. All the episodes go to podcast generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can find them on the website, or you can listen to your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. You can help me by doing that. See, when you subscribe or leave and you leave ratings, especially on Apple Podcasts, it helps other people find the Constitution study as well. It helps them be aware of what's going on and what we're doing. That also spreads the word, which is a big thing in this uh, in this media outlet is to let people know that we're here. As, as much as I love speaking, I would really love if more and more people became aware of what was going on here so that they could spread the word as well. And you can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But again, share them. You know, take take the podcast or, or take an episode, share it with friends, share it with family, share it on social media. I don't care. The point is to share. Because it is the act of sharing that helps us share the blessings of liberty. Liberty.